Exodus chapter 25. It's where we're going to start today. We're going to move through several chapters. We're not going to hit every word today of these chapters. And the church says, Amen. Uh, but we will hit some highlights of some things going on in these chapters. As I mentioned earlier, uh, it's the time of year for budget consideration for our church. And I thought it's a very appropriate time for us to take a couple sermons on a biblical perspective of giving. And this is a particular sermon text that I preached some ten years ago here at Ephesus. And we were going through a focus time in the Kentucky Baptist Convention called More for Christ as we were thinking about what we were doing as individuals and churches to advance the kingdom of God here on earth and wondering, is there more that we can be doing? Is there more that we should be doing? And one thing we pledged to do as a church 10 years ago, we were giving 10% of all uh, undesignated receipts to the cooperative program. This is the giving mechanism of the Southern Baptist Convention where each church supports the ministry and the missions of our denomination. We were giving 10%. The average Kentucky Baptist church was giving 6%. And we could have said, well, we're giving more than other churches. We're doing our part. But what we pledged to do, and I remember Ernest Christopher was one of the ones who headed this charge, saying, can we do more? Should we do more? So what we decided to do every year for the next 10 years is to increase the amount we were giving to the cooperative program by 0.25% until we reached the point 10 years later that we were giving 12.5. And as we look at our budget proposal, we have reached that point as a church. A 10-year span increasing what we give to ministry and missions. And so the question you may ask is, why would we do that? We're already giving more than most other churches as far as percentage-wise. And why do we give so much to the missions offerings? You know, Lottie Moon, Eliza Broadus, Annie Armstrong, all these ladies' names. Why are we giving to all their offerings? Could we not instead keep more in-house and use that money in our church? That's an excellent question. And my answer to that is twofold. First of all, it's a matter of priority. Jesus has given us the great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations. If we are merely about the business of just stockpiling our coffers here at the church and and, and having a comfortable nest egg, are we truly being devoted to reaching lostness in our state, as we just heard, and lostness around the globe? Where is our priority? But also it's a matter of worship. It's a matter of worship as we think about all that God has done for us. And and if worship is truly a response to God's revelation, then should we not also respond by giving back to God what He has given to us and also giving as a response to the ultimate gift, the gift of salvation. So my prayer is as we look through these chapters today and focus on what God is saying in this text that you and I will then give out of gratitude for God's deliverance and to display His glory among the nations. And as God is glorified and we are satisfied in His glory, then our joy will also increase. It's a wonderful byproduct of this. As we give cheerfully and joyfully, our joy will then multiply as God's glory increases 
here on earth. Let me invite you to stand as we are uh, looking this morning at Exodus chapter 25. I'll begin by reading verses 1 through 9 this morning. And Moses is writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod, for the breastplate. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pause and humble ourselves this morning as we reflect on who you are and who we are apart from you, but also who we are in Christ Jesus. Lord, you have given us everything. Father, our heart's desire today ought to be to return to you as much as we can. Our praise, our worship, our time, our talents, our resources. Not that we could somehow earn your favor. Not that we could somehow prevent your favor from being lost. But simply out of gratitude out of joy and out of purpose Lord we want to see your name proclaimed throughout the earth you are worthy of all praise and anywhere God your name is not being preached anywhere the name of Jesus is not being praised then God that should trouble us to the point we do something to the point that we give something Lord, touch our hearts today as we think about giving for the glory of God. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Over the last several months, we've been studying the life of Jacob and his 12 sons, the end of the book of Genesis. And we move after that into the book of Exodus where we find our text today and after the days of Joseph and his family, Israel remained in Egypt, yet they were enslaved for a period of about 400 years. So God ultimately rescued Israel, redeemed Israel from slavery in Egypt, and brought them out. We read about that in the early part of the book of Exodus. Israel thus is now God's possession. He has purchased them out of bondage. And here we read in the book of Exodus, they are en route to the promised land. God had promised the land of Canaan for his people. And on the way, God's miracles are being displayed. God's law is given to his people, showing who God is and God's moral character and God's expectation of his people. And along the way, Moses is God's spokesman. God is revealing his will to Moses and Moses speaks to the people. The first thing we see as we read this morning, 
The need was manifest. There was a tangible need revealed to God's people. That need was revealed, first of all, from the Lord to the leaders. Verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses. So God is stirring the heart of His leader. There are those whom God has called to lead. It's a very sacred responsibility. It's not that leaders seek to bring glory and honor to themselves, but God has raised up leaders in order to lead God's people in the direction He would have them to go. So the need was manifest from the Lord to the leaders, but secondly, from the leaders to the lay people. There was an obligation there that God gave to the children of Israel, to Moses specifically. Verse 2, it says, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. So God spoke to Moses and Moses, tell the people what I'm telling you. There's an obligation to speak what God is saying and when we speak God's word, we are backed by His authority. And God tells Moses, this is the offering. These are the materials that are needed. And I want you to build a sanctuary that will represent my presence among my people. But as the Israelites were to give, they were not just giving to a project. As we think about that, it, it kind of emotionally detaches us from what it is we're giving to. But as the Israelites thought, we are giving not to a project, but we are giving to God. It does something in the heart of His people. And you and I, whenever the offering plate is passed and we have the opportunity to put something in, don't think about it as giving to something. Think about it as giving to someone. Giving to the Lord. As the need was manifest from the Lord to the leaders and secondly from the leaders to the lay people. And we see in this, God says, Whoever's heart moves him in verse 2. Willing hearts. This was to be a love offering above and beyond the commanded tithe. In the Old Testament, God's people were commanded to give 10%, a tithe. And some would say, okay, now we're in the New Covenant. We don't have to do that anymore. We'll talk about that some next Sunday. We're going to look at a New Testament passage on giving. But suffice it to say, for the time being here, God commanded the Israelites, give 10% now on top of that as your heart moves you. I'm asking for a contribution to help build this tabernacle, this sacred tent representing God's presence with His people. And following that, in the remaining chapters, we see instructions God giving to Moses in fact, at the end of chapter 25, verse 40, he says, See that you make them after the pattern for them, which was shown you on the mountain. God said, I've got a very specific pattern. I want you to follow these blueprints. Give so that my work will be accomplished. And you know, there's no shortage of needs around us. We don't have to go far in our own community. There are, there are worthy causes. And certainly we as Christians ought to be at the forefront of, of, of acts of mercy and charity. Throughout the history of the church, we, we've seen hospitals and orphanages, homeless shelters, 
all built and founded and operated by followers of Jesus Christ. And we ought to continue that. There are needs, yes, that must be met and, and, and ought to be met if we are people of compassion. But folks, the greatest need of humanity is spiritual. The greatest need of mankind is to find salvation in Jesus Christ. All humanity, we are all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Folks, that's the greatest need. And we have an opportunity to give as that need is manifest. We, we know there is lostness. It's an estimated some 90% of our own county is unchurched. Think how much more so across the globe in places and people groups where there has never been a gospel witness. No churches. The need is manifest. Folks, the need is great. Our hearts ought to be moved to do something about it. Secondly, we see the need was motivating. The people were moved to action. As the need was manifest, they became aware God is calling us to contribute so that this tabernacle displaying His presence and His glory amongst His people, that need is there and the people were motivated. Their hearts indeed were stirred. Verse 35 or chapter 35 speaks about the divine initiative. Chapter 35 Verse 4, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. God's plan was clearly communicated to His people. God said, This is what I want you to do. It came directly from God Himself as the offering was given again to the Lord. The divine initiative also came with detailed instructions. Verses 5 through 9 of chapter 35 says, Let him bring it to the Lord's contribution. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it to the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red, and porpoise skins, acacia wood, the oil, the spices. In all of this, the onyx and the setting stones. And the question then becomes, God wants this built. Where will the material come from? God wants all this. He's got this, this blueprint, this design. He wants this, this tent, this tabernacle built, this Ark of the Covenant built, and, and all of these instructions. Where will the material and where will the contribution arise from? You know, God could have just miraculously just suddenly made it appear one morning like He did the manna to feed the people. In fact, Psalm 24 once says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If God wanted goat hair and porpoise skin, He could have just made it appear. But God spoke to the people and said, You give sacrificially. You bring it as an offering to the Lord. 
God chooses to work through his people. He chooses to bless the personal sacrifice of those who are called, those who have been redeemed by him. God says, I want to do this and I want to bless you by allowing you to be part of this. And these detailed instructions were then followed by determined involvement. And this is amazing when we look at this. Chapter 35. It speaks about men and women, male and female, verses 22 and 23. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, they came and they brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord, every man who had in his possession these materials, blue and purple materials and goat's hairs and ramskins and all these things. Verse 26, all the women whose hearts stirred with a skill spun the goat's hairs. Verse 27, the rulers brought the onyx stones and the stones for settings. So it was all people. Everyone was involved. Everybody was on board. Because it was an act of consecration. Consecration. Verses 20 through 29 speaks about everybody setting apart these things. Everyone whose heart was moved set these things apart. Verse 29, the Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts moved them to bring material for the work which the Lord had commanded to Moses, they brought a free will offering to the Lord. They were setting this apart. And in the act of setting these things apart, they were demonstrating in a tangible way that they had been consecrated by God. The very act of you contributing to the work of God demonstrates and represents that God has set you apart for His purposes. And in your contributions are just the outflow of that. You are consecrating your belongings, your possessions, your finances. You are setting those things apart intentionally for God. And you are coming with these things not with a closed fist, but with an open palm and saying, God, this is yours. Everything I have, I have because you have given it to me. And Lord, you have the right to give and the right to take here. Here, do with it as you see fit. If you leave it in my hand, that's great. I'll use it for your glory. But if you choose to take it, then Lord, take it. I am set apart by you. I am consecrated. Therefore, my possessions are as well. We read also the involvement, not only of setting things apart for God's work, we see the involvement of construction. Chapter 36, verses 1 and 2. Now, Belazel and Olihab, funny names, I know, every skilled person in whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary. They shall perform in accordance with all the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called those fellows, every skilled person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone in whose heart stirred him to come to the work to perform. You see, some people had the ability and the finances to set things apart. Other people God had gifted to do the work. 
The very first spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible, construction. We don't always think about it in those terms. We think about, well, spiritual gifts to serve God. You know, we think of preaching and teaching and, and all of these things. We don't necessarily think of, of building and crafting and repairing things. But God clearly puts that in the hearts and minds of certain individuals and gifts them. And the way you can return that gift to God is using it for his kingdom. Just like these fellows with the funny names. God blessed them. They, in turn, gave to God of their time and their skill and their energy. We had a work day here at the church. Not today, yesterday at the church. We had a work day, and we had almost 20 people showing up. There was weed eating, and there was chainsaws, and there was washing stuff, and there was pulling weeds, and, and you name it, it was getting done. And we may not necessarily think of giving to God in that way, but that's what it is. God put a desire on folks' hearts, and they had the opportunity. I know not everybody who wanted to had the chance to come. But suffice it to say that those who were here that were serving and working and cleaning and pruning and all that stuff, it was giving to the work of God to help maintain and beautify this property that God has given us. Some gave time and talent. Some gave finances. And we see that next, cont uh, contribution. There was consecration, construction, contribution. Verses 3 through 7. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction, the building of the sanctuary. And they still continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning and all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary they came each from the work which he was performing and they said to Moses the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform so they're bringing so much stuff it's getting in the way of the work they're bringing too much offering Verse 6, so Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. That just blows my mind. I cannot imagine having a, a love offering and saying, all right, folks, you're giving too much. Knock it off. Stop it. We don't need any more. We don't want any more. Don't you dare sin by giving any more. That just sounds weird. That just goes to show you when God's people are moved for the glory of God, they will give willfully, cheerfully. They will give sacrificially. They will give abundantly. So we think about the glory of God and how, as we give, God's glory is manifest. People gave too much and they were told to stop. We read already in this text, as if we go back and look through it, it mentions their hearts and their spirits eight times. That's why I said earlier that giving was a matter of worship. It's a matter of the hearts. These people gave because their hearts were stirred if people are not giving, 
Watch that reflect on their heart, on their spirit. I think, I'm not giving because I don't have much, but is there anything? You know, if everybody just gave a dollar more. If you're giving nothing, give a dollar. If you're giving a lot, give a dollar. If everybody gave just a dollar more, there would be more than there would have been otherwise, correct? It's a matter of the heart saying, can I do something? Can I give something? If I can't give anything, can I give my time? Can I, can I serve as a volunteer to, to, to clean up, wash things, to cook things, to build things, to watch little things in the nursery? There's all kinds of things, right, that can and should be done. And when we do what God's calling us to do, we give when God's calling us to give, ministry takes place. The need was manifest. The need was motivating. The need was met. The final point, the need was met. Let's look at chapter 39, the end of it. Verse 42. So the sons of Israel, they did all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it, just as the Lord had commanded. This they had done, so Moses blessed them. We see, first of all, his goal was accomplished. Against all the odds, these former slaves, this army of slaves that had just been rescued after being enslaved for 400 years, they're wandering out in the middle of nowhere, and God says, give me all this stuff. And they gave more than enough. The sanctuary was constructed. Here Moses gives a, a detailed inspection to see if it passes. You know, when you walk to a restaurant and there's that white piece of paper on the front with a green letter, you hope to see an A. You cringe if you see something down in the C, D, and Lord forbid, F area. It means it doesn't pass the inspection. Moses inspected the building and he says it was good according to all that God had designed. The quality was sufficient. We think about doing anything for the Lord, whether it's serving or whether it's giving. Shouldn't excellence be the standard? We just want to halfway, to, I'll just throw a little something at God. I'll just do a quick little patch here and there. Is that truly worship? Is that truly reflecting on the goodness and the excellence of God? Should we not excel still more, as Paul said, 1 Thessalonians? The work and the giving to God, we should be striving for excellent quality. It's a reflection on who God is and what God has done for us. His goal was accomplished his glory was abundant. Chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. After Moses finished the work, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The, the, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In Hebrew, they call that the Shekinah, glory of God. You know, God's everywhere all the time. His presence is, there's nowhere the presence of God is not. But there are times and places for specific reasons where the glory of God is displayed just a little bit more. 
And in that occasion, the glory of God was on display via the cloud that covered the tabernacle and it filled the tabernacle. And Moses, verse 35, was not even able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Would you not... Would you not give anything to see the glory of God manifest in such a way in our worship services? Is there a price tag that would be too much to see God's glory displayed? And we think, man, I would love to see a a cloud just fill this place. But you know what would be even more glorifying than that? All the nations of the world hearing the good news of the gospel and people that were lost and dying and going to hell getting saved, getting born again. Would that not bring much more glory to God? If we think about giving to anything, we want to glorify God in our giving because He deserves it, right? And we think about all of the world and all of the nations where people are not saved. We want to see the glory of God raised and displayed How is that going to happen if the church is not fulfilling the financial needs that it takes to reach those folks around the world? I've read before, if the American church truly took the Great Commission seriously, by the end of this year, there'd be no such thing as unreached people groups. There'd be no such thing as unengaged unreached people groups. If the American church gave sacrificially and worshipfully as the children of Israel did in this occasion, world evangelism would have already been completed. The fact that it ain't done yet, when we are the richest nation ever on the face of this earth, brothers and sisters, that's a sad indictment on the American church. That we would rather focus on our comforts than on the Lord's commission. That hurts. Moses could not enter that place because it was God's property and what was common became holy. You know, ram skins and dyed fabrics and gold and silver and porpoise skin. I get caught up on that. That just sounds funny to me. Out in the middle of the desert, they got porpoise skins, you know. That means, obviously, it was very valuable, right? Supply and demand. But all these items that were just common, just stuff, when that stuff was given to God, that stuff became holy. And the glory of God was on display abundantly you think about well I ain't got much to give what if I give a dollar a week what's that going to do it's going to do more for the Lord than it would in your pocket I guarantee you that God takes common things makes them holy it's not a matter of the amount of money what matters is the size of the heart not the size of the gift Finally, his guidance is available. It says, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. 
For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel, God was leading His people. They were learning to trust Him. They gave sacrificially, and God blessed that sacrifice with a greater manifestation of His presence and glory. And the more God's glory was displayed, the more they were motivated then to continue following God's leadership. We think about giving to God and sometimes we give and it hurts. But when God calls us to do something and we do it, we find God is faithful. And when you find God is faithful, it motivates you to keep following Him and keep doing what He's calling you to do. And these folks, they were worshiping on the road to the promised land. They weren't there yet. God promised you're going to reach Canaan one day and you're going to settle there but for the time being on this journey worship me by giving to me to my work so that my glory would be displayed so we look at this and we see all that happened these people gave out of gratitude God rescued them from slavery God has rescued you from slavery to sin your response to that ought to be God you, you, I owe you everything you created me you give me everything I have you saved me when my soul was headed to hell and I didn't deserve to be saved the least I could do was give you my time and my talent and my resources and say God for your glory give out of gratitude for God's deliverance and to display his glory among the nations as Israel was moving through the desert and moving into Canaan the other nations were watching and as God's glory was manifest and as God's blessings were poured out on those people it was preaching the good news of Israel's God when we as a church, when we as a family of God give to missions and we give to ministry and God's glory is on display, the lost and dying world is watching that and seeing, wow, there is something to their God. Lives are being touched. Souls are being saved. Families and homes are being transformed all because God's people give to the work of God. His glory is on display. What do we communicate? God's people had a specific plan, a specific building. They were to follow the blueprints. If you've ever built a home or, or built anything, typically you've got some sort of a plan to follow. You don't just jump in and just start throwing stuff together. Some of y'all may be gifted enough to do that. But typically you, you kind of want to follow a plan, right? God gave Moses a plan, and Moses gave the plan to the people. Why, why did it matter? Why didn't God just say, yeah, build whatever. I'll, I'll take it. That's fine. I ain't picky. Yeah, he was picky. Why was God picky about the way he was worshipped? Because he was ingraining it into the minds and the hearts of his people that there is one exclusive way to God. We now know what that is. Hebrews Chapter 9, verses 11 through 14, as we bring this to a close, it says, When Christ appeared as our high priest 
of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. The tabernacle was constructed a certain way because God has ordained one way to come to Him, one way to be worshipped. That way is through His Son, Jesus Christ. doesn't matter how much money you're going to put in that offering plate. We already went by today. Maybe you're compelled to put more in. If you do so, then God bless you doesn't matter, though, how much you've already put in or how much you're going to put in. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. You might write a check for a million dollars today that doesn't bounce. But if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you're not born again, you're headed to hell for all eternity. What good is that going to do? So I'm not here compelling you to give that somehow you'd be saved, but I'm compelling you to get saved and then out of gratitude for that salvation, then give. And don't just give to things. Give to the Lord. And as we see in this text today, when God says go, we go. It means we're obeying the Great Commission. We want to reach the lost. We want to make disciples. And the way we do that is when God says give, we give. God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son. Do you so love the world, uh, so love the Lord, that you're willing to give that His glory might be known on the earth? Let's pray together. Father, what an amazing text of Scripture.